Acts chapter 2. I'd like to invite you to open up scripture. Go ahead and turn there as we continue in this series named Deeper. And we're looking at um, going deeper with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, having deeper conviction, um, having a deeper sacrifice, deeper joy, deeper love, all these different things that we find in the New Testament church. As it's really, uh, this, it starts off as a small group of people, about 120, and Holy Spirit comes, and before you know it, there's 3,000 joining, then another couple thousand joining, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, and that's in the midst of hardship, in the midst of persecution. And we're going to learn a lot today about really what it looks like for us to live as His church as well. Uh, what does that really mean for us? So we're looking here, Acts chapter 2, I read it previously, um, there are other references to Pentecost in the New Testament, but without a doubt, this is the one that is, is most predominant. Also, we find it in references of Joel chapter 2. Um, so you've got Joel chapter 2 and also even the promises of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Um, that was a primary verse for last week because he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. And so uh, with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, also Joel chapter 2, um, and then just the movement of what's been taking place. Um, we learn a lot about what Pentecost even means for us in this passage. Um, in, in both of these passages mentioned, the emphasis is on the empowerment through Holy Spirit. Here's the emphasis. It's the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit's empowerment to allow the people, to enable the people of God to be his witness. And so understanding that Holy Spirit allows us to be able to be his witness in a greater way, we need to be praying for Holy Spirit. Uh, an, a frequent prayer here at Chapel Point is Holy Spirit fill me, Holy Spirit fill me, Holy Spirit fill me. Because we want the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, Pentecost uh, if you go back, uh, Leviticus chapter 23, uh, Pentecost is one of seven festivals that's mentioned in that chapter. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, so you go back to the Old Testament, you find Pentecost. So that's why so much of this is significant for us. It's, Pentecost is one of the three festivals um, every year in which the Jew would be expected to go to Jerusalem for it. All right, so it's one of the, those three festivals in which the city of Jerusalem, it would have been packed. It would have been full of people. Um, it would have been crowded, everything else. That's what's taken place. Now, during the Babylonian exile, um, a lot of those individuals, those believers, could not go back. And so they began implementing different things at different places rather than being able to return to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem because why they couldn't? They were slaves in Babylon. But it's one of these seven that's mentioned, one of the three in which they would return for in Leviticus chapter 23. And it was celebrating um, the first fruits. But then later on, it began to also, and that's the, the first fruits of the harvest. And they would have required times of celebration for all God did for you. Right? That's really what a lot of the festivals were. Required times of celebrating everything that God's done in your life. Maybe we need a few more of those. And so here they are celebrating this first fruits, but they end up also using it as an opportunity to give thanks for when God gave them the law. Um, it kind of tra transitioned over the years, especially because of Babylonian exile. Um, Pentecost, in many ways, is representing God's presence actively working in our own lives. 
That's why I wanted you to do the stories, stories of transformation earlier. Because even if someone walked up to you later on today and said, hey, how's God moving in your life right now? Would you even know what to say? I would. Please come ask me that question. But I hope you have more than 30 seconds. Right? Because it can be an awkward question, but God, through the Holy Spirit, is actively working within our lives. And as a result of that, we have a story to share. We have a movement of God to share. That's what Pentecost is. It's, Pentecost is a celebration. It's a great way to be able to think about it. You're about to see it in front of you. Pentecost is a celebration of newness, of renewal, or of purpose, mission, and calling as God's people. It's a celebration of God's ongoing work in the world. And that starts in you. That starts in you personally. As Holy Spirit comes and wants to have a role in your life. Now, some people will go, I don't know about Holy Spirit. I don't even know really about God. And then I say, well, do you have a conscience? Yeah, I have a conscience. What's the conscience purpose? Tell me what's right and wrong. Okay, well, don't you think that that's God? I mean, I'm doing this at a very simplistic level. God's coming and he's speaking to you. And we deny God's presence so often. And then we just start to do what we want to do. And that voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller because we keep turning it down. So that we don't have to hear it. That's what I did last night. I was watching the Georgia football game as they played Mississippi State and just crushed them. Um, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Um, And I'm watching on the internet. And right beside me, my son is watching the Kentucky game against Florida. And he kept turning up the volume. I said, oh no. You will turn that down. Well, I'm watching the game. Well, so am I. Well, I was here first. I paid for the house. Like that was the conversation. Turn it down. And what we've done is we've kept turning down the voice of Holy Spirit so much. Maybe we don't even hear him anymore. We don't even hear him anymore. And so Acts chapter 2, really in the first three verses, you have the coming of Holy Spirit. And then what you find in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then in, in Acts chapter 2, 5 through 11, it's the, the, the reaction of the people in many ways to God uh, through Holy Spirit coming and, and coming into their place, the, to who they are. Um, and the result was powerful. I, I mentioned it just while I go. Later on in this chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, what's the, res- what's the, res- the result of it is 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ that's pretty significant by the way that's one of the results of Holy Spirit coming and working and moving and doing a marvelous thing in their midst and so what I want to be able to do today is I want to walk through a little bit of this but I also want to help you understand what were those traits that were exhibited by the church that's filled with Holy Spirit and it's not even just in this passage But if we want to be a church that's filled with Holy Spirit, there are certain traits that we learn from this church that we need to take and to apply to implement within our own life. And in Acts chapter 2, one of the things that we find is that, one of the traits that we find is that the church prayed. And we talk about prayer a lot in this church. And I've been asked before, do we need to talk about prayer so much? And every time the answer is simple. What is it? Yes. 
When you talk about churches where God is doing a mighty work, you can talk about different logos, you can talk about different events that they do, you can talk about the music, you can talk about preaching, you can talk about all different things. Here's the one common trait of every movement of God, prayer. That's the one common, so do you think we're going to abandon what we find in the word of God? That's why we emphasize it with your family so much. In essence, I get on my knees periodically and I beg men to pray with their wives and to pray over their wives to pray for them to just to take their hands and place it on their head I beg do I need to do it today I will because it'll change your life that's because prayer has such an important role and you always give if people say why don't we have time by the end of the day we're so tired if it's important to you you'll make time Point blank, I don't care who you are. If it's important to you, you'll make time. So if it's important, if you recognize that that's how God works and that's how God blesses, that's how God speaks, that's how God moves in the lives of other people, and you go, yeah, hey, that's important to me, you'll make the time to do it. And so that's one of the things that we see. We see that this church, even right after It tells us in Acts chapter 1, right after Jesus ascended, that they went back and the first response that they had was they went and they prayed together. That's what the the apostles did. Very first thing, they went and they began to pray. It's one of the things that we see uh, that's a characteristic of a church that is filled with Holy Spirit. Another thing that we learned, though, is not only that the church prayed, is that a church with Holy Spirit also, they experience Holy Spirit with power. That's what we learned. And so in understanding that the Holy Spirit came with power, that's how they have so much boldness. Right? Boldness comes in experiencing the power of God. Does anybody believe that God is the most powerful being that exists? Raise your hand. So if you believe that, and you believe that Holy Spirit is in your life, working in your life, giving you and demonstrating His power, why would you not have boldness to act on His behalf? It doesn't even make sense. If you're not willing to, that's what's dumbfounding to me, is that we've surrendered and we've succumbed as believers today, as disciples today. We've surrendered to the idea of, no, I can't do that. I may offend them. Or, no, I might, I might get them upset with me. We've, 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 we've taken on that mentality while at the same time we worship the most mighty being ever. He is the God of all gods, the only true God, the King of kings. And so not to act on his behalf, Right, I've got a, you, know, you know when I have a lot of boldness? When I have the elders of this church around me. Because they are men of God who desperately seek him out. And when you're around other people like that, it gives you more boldness and more courage. What if you have God with you? Would you not have even more boldness and more courage? That's what happened. So you want to know know if a church has Holy Spirit? They're going to have boldness because they're going to experience the power of God. 
Why? Because the Holy Spirit is reproducing the life of Christ in every believer. Listen to that. Holy Spirit is reproducing the life of Christ in every believer. Empowering them and their witness. And the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And one of the things that we see taking place here is... um, You see the Holy Spirit coming and and filling them in this mighty rushing wind. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Um, But the crowd thinks that they're drunk. I want to go ahead and jump forward. The crowd thinks they're drunk. And it's it's the the middle of the morning. And so they're like, no, we're not even drinking. It's not that. But it's because they were witnessing and seeing something that they weren't accustomed to. And they're like, whoa, wait a second here. Stop drinking so much. And they're like, we're not drinking. Trust me, I've heard this a lot in my life. Calm down. Quit drinking so much, right? I'm not drinking. Quit drinking so much coffee. I haven't even had any today. Wait till that takes place. The second service has it coming. Right? We go, wow. That's, this, this whole Holy Spirit encounter is messing with everybody. But Holy Spirit comes, clothes them in power on high, and they began to speak in those tongues that I mentioned before. Not the charismatic tongues that we think about, but in different languages. Because why? It's Pentecost, one of the three times where people come from all over the place, right, to Jerusalem. They're required to. Doesn't this make sense now? Oh, and now all these people who have different languages are hearing people speak now in their native language that didn't speak their native language previously. What's going on? Doesn't this make sense? All of a sudden it's like, oh, now I get it. And so these events are unfolding because Holy Spirit's coming so that they can share the message of Jesus. They were given all these languages to preach the message of Christ. And they're calling out the truth in different languages. And people could hear them and they were coming together. And he divided the people in these different languages to not only to spread his message, but also to be able to create a greater reliance on God. I always think about, very similar would be uh, Genesis chapter 11. Tower of Babel, Right? Genesis chapter 11, it's just one of those things that you need to be aware of. The people were doing all these things, and and what God did, and and I encourage you, uh, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Just go sometime this week, Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9. Do it this afternoon real quick, uh, and it'll help you understand, because what God was doing was he was dispersing the people because he needed to make sure that they still trusted in his power and his strength, and they they would rely on him. That's the general premise of it. And that's also what this did. It I think it really helped them to evaluate, hey, are we going to trust in ourselves or are we going to trust in God? Maybe um, you've seen a picture of this before. I've got one in my pocket. Um, it's the dollar bill. Um, and there's a lot of debate about our, our currency right now. You know, it shouldn't say in God we trust. Um, and, and honestly, it probably shouldn't because we don't trust God. There's a lot of irony to how we fight for that. And I would love for it to stay on there. Don't write me a letter. Um, I would love for it to stay on there. But do we really trust God? And I think a lot of what God was doing was, yes, he was allowing them to experience the Holy Spirit in a way to give them different tongues and different languages to spread the message of Jesus Christ. But he was also making sure 
by not allowing them to all stay together and do the same thing and speak in the same language and just having their little holy huddle that they knew that they were, going, they were going to have to rely on God and Holy Spirit because God was sending them out to do something greater than they could ever do alone. Because these words on the back of a dollar bill that says, in God we trust. And everybody can just take it out a dollar or a ten or a hundred and you can just leave it up here later on for me. Um, <laughs> you know, you look at these words and you have to ask, do you really trust God? Do you really rely on God? Do you rely on Holy Spirit speaking into your life? You see, the reason I ask that question is because trust is exhibited when one is asked to do something they believe threatens them or is illogical. When, it's, when was the last time you really trusted God? Again, trust, faith, is exhibited when you're being asked to do something that you don't think, one, maybe even benefits you. It could threaten you, and it doesn't seem to be very logical. And you go, oh, that doesn't make sense. But then you choose to do it anyway because you know Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you trust God. When was the last time you trusted God in that? When was the last time, if, if I came up to you after the service and said, hey, when was the last time you really trusted God in doing something that was illogical and that didn't make any sense? Even sharing your faith, by the way, is not illogical. If God is behind you, Holy Spirit in you, and you have his power, it makes normal sense, common sense, to go tell everybody about him because you know Holy Spirit wants to give you the strength to do it. I don't even think that's illogical. So when was the last time we were able to demonstrate faith and trust in such a radical way? That was the New Testament church. That's why God did so many fantastic things there. When people only make decisions based on what makes sense to them, I will show you a person who probably struggles in really becoming the person God's created for them to be. Because God created for us to live in trust and in faith. It's by faith that we are saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. And one of the sisters of faith is trust. Do you really trust God? When was the last time you showed it? And God is doing this also, I think, to make sure that they trust in him and no one else, not in themselves. And they talk about this, at the very end, they talk about this new wine. He's like, hey, guys, you guys need to stop drinking. <laughs> um, we find out right here he says in verse 15 later on he says uh, and this is Peter standing because everybody's making fun of him look at what are they doing they're drinking too much he's like these people are not drunk it's the third hour of the day it's the morning these people aren't drunk well then what's taking place you know, th this new wine is really sim symbolic of the fact that it's, it's not the old uh, legalism of the Pharisees, but really it's now empowering of Holy Spirit that's going to determine the life that they live. And they're not going to allow anything else to dictate the life that they live anymore. Maybe that's a good way to think about it too. What dictates your life? Like, what determines really the decisions that you make? Please, men, don't stop looking at your wives. And you're not doing it right now. I'm saying uh, our culture 
has told men, happy wife, happy life. It's one of the worst sayings out there. It really, truly is. I am to make decisions based on the word of God and the Holy Spirit at work within me and nothing else. And my wife should be in tune with that as well as we pray together and as we pray for God's anointing. We make decisions not based on her preferences or based on my preferences. We make decisions based on what God has instructed for us to do. So when we make decisions, I don't go, hey, honey, what's going to make you most happy? I go, God, what do you require of us? And please give us the strength to do it. Struggle with men today? The struggle with men today? The struggle with men today? Is maybe they listen to their wives more than they do the creator of the universe. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to your wife. I'm saying you better make sure you know who you listen to first. I'm not saying, camera, which camera's on me? I'm not saying... You shouldn't listen to your wife. But because so many people are afraid to say this to begin with, they say nothing at all. I'm saying that you should make sure you're listening to the God of the universe first and foremost. Amen. I am far more fearful of what my God will think of me than I am what my wife will think of me. look at this church and the, the church is God's created the church and he's, it's Pentecost and all these people and all these people around and you know it, it talks about it in Acts chapter 2 at the very beginning there's this mighty rush, a mighty rushing wind and it's flooding the place and everybody's around like it's a mighty rushing wind I, I imagine it just knocking everything over like people knew about it the city was full it's not like oh did you hear that it wasn't like a question it's like wow what was that and it was called holy spirit coming into their midst holy spirit coming into their life and they were passionate as a result of it Right, that's one of the qualities, by the way, I would even throw out there in terms of if you really want to look at the characteristics of a, of a church filled with the Holy Spirit, they're passionate because they are so overwhelmed by what God is choosing to do in their life. They're passionate for it. And so often we negate and we, we, we credit spiritual fervor by crediting, crediting it to something other than Holy Spirit. Well, the guy is just energetic or the guy's had too much coffee. No, maybe they have Holy Spirit in their life and they're so overwhelmed by his goodness that they can't contain it. Do you really think an individual by himself, by herself, can contain the power of God? You've got to let it out. It's funny they even mentioned the wine. Man, these guys must be drinking because really to, be, to drink wine is to be under the influence other than yourself. Listen, the reason it says don't give in to drunkenness, and there's a little side topic for you, is because we're to be under the control of nothing but Holy Spirit. And so if you're under the control of anything other than the Holy Spirit, it's not correct. It's not right. It's not what God desires for you. It's a very simple way of thinking about it. We are to always to allow Holy Spirit to control us. 
And so we need to be under the influence of Holy Spirit, which means that you are under the control of God. Be under the control of Holy Spirit means that you have the, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you. Galatians chapter 5, 22-23. Here's a person, a church with Holy Spirit. I, when I was growing up, my grandmother in the Panhandle of Florida had a ton of uh, nectarine trees, orange trees is another way to think about it. And uh, we'd go out there, and she would never pick them. They would just keep growing and growing. And they were, man, the trees were so healthy that as we would go and pick them, we would be stepping all over the ones that had already fallen to the ground and started to decay, and bugs are all over them and everything else, right? It's just dripping with oranges. That should be the believer in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. You're dripping that much with goodness and kindness. You're dripping that much with Holy Spirit that people can't even get near you without going, wow, what is, what? (laughs) That's what it looks like. What if we actually began to have the courage to say, that's what I want to do in my own life. And you go home and say, honey, uh, this is what I want for us. That we drip so much with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, go look it up. Galatians 5, 22, 23. That we drip so much from it. People can't even get near our home without stepping on the presence of God. So the question then is maybe the big question for us today. Knowing that Pentecost was was when God really birthed his church in many regards. Is what, and it's the giving of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to allow him to go and to be his presence. Maybe, I think the question for the churches today is what side of Pentecost are you living on? There's a great question. Um, Pastor Jim and I were speaking this last week and he called and he's like, yeah, the question is what side of Pentecost are you living on? I'm like, yeah, that's really good. Because really it's a matter, are, are we even living with Holy Spirit? What side of Pentecost are you living on? What side are you living on? What are you allowing to dictate the decisions that you make in life? I had the um, opportunity I needed to travel earlier this week. And as I was traveling, um, I just started taking notes. And I kept going and going. And I'd get my phone out. I'd start typing on it. This is what Holy Spirit does. And, and this is, for whatever reason, I, I wrote this and I felt that I needed to share it. It says this. If your conversion is only intellectual... You're not converted. Holy Spirit allows us to process both intellectually and with our heart and our lives. And it allows us to process that we desperately need Jesus. And to know about Jesus is not to know Jesus. Jesus wants our hearts. In a world that defines moralism apart from Jesus, the church, the people of God, need to live allowing for the indwelling of Holy Spirit more than ever before. 
Even the idea of God's creation of male and female is in jeopardy. Truth no longer matters. Reason has lost any value it previously had. Emotions and feelings dictate our understanding of morality and even our laws. We need to find and discover in Pentecost the thundering wave of God's presence that flooded the nations. It is the wave of Holy Spirit that can flood and drown out all else. That is what we need. The thundering wave of the presence of God. Why? Because we don't need more Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit controlling us more. Uh, This morning... I just want to end on this, and we're going to have a time this morning just to really um, sing out to God and take communion. But I'll tell you this quick story. Um, this morning, I woke up the entire family before I had to leave, and because it was my youngest sixth birthday, little Bennett, he's six years old. Um, and have you ever given your child a gift that you really want? Anybody? Not one of you is raising your hand. Like you just said it, you're on your own, brother. Um, I, they have, you know those little scooters you just jump on? And you, well, they have them instead of like with the big tires. And it says weight limit, 170. And I'm like, I'm close enough. And, you know, I'm like, I want that. And it lights up and it's like you push a button on the bottom and they can flash lights if you want and all that. I'm like... He needs that. And Melissa's like, he doesn't he really want that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. I'm convinced he does. So I was like, I want to go ahead and give it to him. And she's like, oh, my, he's asleep. Let's wake him up. Bennett! And she's like, oh, you wear me out. I'm like, okay, good. And so finally all the kids are down there. <laughs> he's got all these gifts out. And I'm like, hey, open just the big one right now. We'll do the others later today. And he goes, okay. And he opens up. He sees it. And he goes, does it run by itself? No, no, it's awesome. Just look at it. Does it run by itself? Yeah, with your feet. Like you use your feet. He's like, he's like, oh, that's nice. It doesn't run by itself? Like this was our conversation. So I gave him a swirly. And <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, uh, <laughs> the reason I share that story, and I should have brought the scooter up here because, men, it's awesome. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so often, we want God to do everything for us. And God gives us Holy Spirit so that He can give us the strength to do it ourselves. You get the illustration. And we just, we want to set it up and just go, okay, God, take care of everything. It's up to you. And God's going, no, like, the greatest joy I have is empowering you to be my church, to be my witness, to be my voice. 
If you want to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it means you can't contain it. Sharing with your neighbors is a no-brainer. Everybody this week, my challenge to you this week is that everybody share with someone about what God has done in your life. You've already done it, by the way. That doesn't count earlier in the service. But it's a story of transformation. Man, can I tell you? I'm going to give you the words. It's not complicated. Man, can I tell you? God has just, man, he's done some cool stuff in my life lately. And he's taught me so much about forgiveness. Like I had all this anger and hostility I didn't even recognize toward a family member. And he's taught me just to have peace with it. And he's taught me forgiveness. It's been amazing. You ever experienced something like that before? And half the time they're going to look at you like, you're insane. But I guarantee you, almost every time, either then or later on, they'll come back to it and go, hey, what do you mean about such and such? When you said such and such, what do you really mean by that? That's what the Holy Spirit does when he's in your life. That's my challenge to you, is that every single one of you do it this week. They're going to go, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that God stuff. You go, Give it a try. I'll pick you up. 8.30 Sunday morning. They're going to go, 8.30. And they're going to go, okay, 10.30. they got a different service. And they go, 10.30. I, I don't know what to tell you. Go over and watch it online. God's already given us everything we need in Holy Spirit. We don't need more of them. We just need to allow him to control us more. Will you let him control you in your prayer life and how you tell others about him? Sometimes you just need to go ahead and step out on faith even when you don't feel like it. And it's then that God says, yes, thank you. Will you do it? Remember, trust and faith is exhibiting those qualities when he asks you to do something that's maybe a threat to you or illogical. Are you willing to obey? You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. But he's already blessed us. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. So this morning we get to celebrate what that really is for us through the Lord's Supper Communion. What we do here at Chapel Point is at each corner of the room and then also there in the center, there will be some elders who will also be holding some trays. We end up with seven to nine different stations that you can end up going to. And you just take a bread, a piece of bread, and you take a glass, a little cup of juice. And we're going to encourage you to take it back to your seat. Later on in the service, I'll give us that opportunity to, to take that together as his body, as his church. You don't have to be a member of this church, but let me tell you what it means. And it's very important for us because that body, the bread represents his body that he gave for us. And the juice represents, represents, it's symbolic of the blood that he shed for us. Because we're all sinners and we, I'm proud to say that my sin has been forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Because something had to pay for that, right? Because we know that God is a good God and he's also a fair and a righteous judge and that something has to pay for that sin that we have in our life. And so he said, listen, you got no chance of doing it yourself, so I'll give my son to do it for you. 
And so we take this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us and in celebration of who he is and what he wants to continually do in us.